It's Tefo Waffle Time! Right, welcome to Tefo Waffle with Troy and Steve and special guest Stuart. Thanks, Stuart. Hello. Right, so today we're going to talk about uh, a topic that is not near and dear to my heart at all, um, which is teaching the soft skills. And now, before we carry on, let's, let's have uh, Stu introduce himself and tell everybody who he is. Okay. All right, so um, I'm from the UK. I've been in Thailand for the last eight years. And for seven and, seven and a half of them years, I've been teaching in Thailand. So I've been teaching, I've taught from kindergarten into business English. So I've taught lots of different grades and levels. And I've also been working as a teacher trainer here too. And before that? Before that, I was in the UK. Um, I was working as a trainer in, in the corporate world. So I was teaching soft skills. And what does that mean, being a trainer in the corporate world? You're obviously not... Training them how to ask, put on a tie. What does it mean to train soft skills? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, an example of that would be you you with a bunch of managers and you're teaching them leadership skills as an example, or maybe you're with a group of employees and you teach them attitude training. Okay, so this uh, to me, this is all very vague and, and wishy washy and and whatever, but I've got you here for an important reason. We we were working together doing training with uh, I can't remember, it was 150 teachers. Yes, yeah. So a huge seminar hall, uh, masses of, t- of Thai teachers, uh, Thai speaking Thai native teachers. They're all English teachers, and we were teaching them how to give a presentation. Was that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, during that, I was doing lots of stuff like how do we structure it and what sort of language do we use and how do we what you were doing the genre, the genre, the genre based approach, okay, right. and I was doing a little bit of structuring as well. And uh, then towards the end, maybe on the last day, they were ask they were practicing, and they were asking us to give some feedback. And my feedback were things like, okay, uh, you shouldn't be emphasizing these words. Uh, you should be emphasizing those words. And pronunciation feedback. You have a pronunciation issue. Uh, I also noticed uh, you've got a really common uh, grammar mistake here, which makes the meaning very misleading. That's not what you mean to say. You mean to say this, don't make that mistake. And then uh, Stuart stood up. And what st- feedback did you give them? Can you remember it? My feedback was... I think if we classify your feedback as hard skills... Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a language teacher. I was giving language feedback. Okay, okay. So the, the perspective I was taking was actually giving them feedback on their... Not, not what they were doing, but how they were doing yeah. it. So an example of that might be body language, tonality yes. of voice. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you did this uh, thing that I, I still rem- I remember it very distinctly. You talked about how they stood up... And uh, you used an analogy, something like, I imagine you're a piece of string and you use a gesture and you drew it up into the air to stand up straight and use body language. And all the students was, yeah, 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 yeah. Did it, make any, did it have any effect? Yes, and they loved it. Well, that, that draws to mind that, that research that was done at, at, that, uh, about power stands before a presentation or, or before you get up and how 
the way that you stand or your posture affects your own internal representation of yourself. Right, right. That's power dynamics, yeah. 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 So there's a theory that says if you actually pre-do the presentation, if you adapt certain power poses, then that has an effect on your own biochemistry, which in turn affects your communication style. So you can increase your confidence by standing confidently. I think you you can do that, but it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's you can affect your own confidence because a confident person stands, holds their posture a certain way. You know, if you contrast that with a person that isn't confident. But more than that, it's the way that you're not only affecting yourself, but then in turn how you're actually affecting other people. So some interesting researchers pointed to something called mirror neurons, where actually when you're communicating with somebody, they're actually tuning in and feeling what you're feeling. So if you're in, if you've got a certain biochemistry and a certain state that you're in, you're able to influence people in a different way. Is that why it's a bad idea to hang out with negative people? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some people say you know you you are as you're as good as the five people around you know the five closest people in your life. You are them people. Um, so I think that that is it. You know, we can't. We're affected by people not only. You know, on a on a level that maybe that's outside of our awareness. Okay. Now, the reason why I find this interesting is <clears throat> this is not something I see as being my job. I'm a language teacher. I'm here to teach you languages. And when someone says, "Can you teach them how to give a presentation?" I go, "Yeah, sure." And I teach them the language they need for presentation. Now, that's uh, some business English and uh, particular <laughs> phrases you use to open or close things and stuff like that. There's and a problem. There's a problem with that approach. Yep. Um, in that Krashen long time ago spoke about the effective filter and how we should be uh, reducing students anxiety anxiety yeah. and that helps them with language learning and from that the humanist movement the humanistic movement of language teaching which has grown up from the work of people like Moskowitz where you get students to get in touch with their inner feelings and get to know themselves and the language learning process is not just about language it's a self-actualization process in which the students learn about themselves and bring all of that that growth, psychological growth. I mean, we, as teachers, then, we're not just teachers, but we're psychologists, counselors, guides, um, leaders. And the linguistic side of our classroom, of course, is important. Yeah. But we can't extract that linguistic side without... Uh, we can't leave the human behind because language and, and experience are so entangled with one another. Now, I mean, on, on a surface level, I have no problem with this effective filter hypothesis, this idea that if you're relaxed and you're in a positive mental state, be that curious or engaged or challenged or whatever, it helps with learning, at least to learn. Completely agree. But I also don't see that my job is to make you into a better husband, human being, etc. So... I don't think it's part of my job, but absolutely can't deny with, like, when we were there in that room, and and you see what I'm like as a teacher. I'm high energy, I like teaching, I get everyone involved, but I didn't focus on that. And as soon as you did, all of the students, they took to it. They took to it immediately. Yeah, I think you've got a good point. I think the question is, is does a teacher with soft skills, are they more effective at delivering the hard skills? That's, That's the question. Or do they focus on one more than the other? I mean, I know what camp I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you will. I think you will. You will lean towards your own sort of 
you know, where you are in terms of your hard skill, soft skill sort of ratio. What are your soft skill, hard skills ratio? Um, before I was teaching, I mean, I mean, for the last 18 years, I've been in the position of either a presenter, a coach, a trainer, a teacher. So I've, I've always been facing people for the last 18 years and I've, that I've gravitated towards that naturally. So my own thinking is that my natural aptitude is in the soft skills and that's what took me there. But what I've had to do is increase, especially teaching English, is increase my, my hard skills. So for me, I, I don't see that we should polarise these things. I think, you know, I think that's the problem with human thinking is we tend to think one or the other. Whereas I think what we need to do is think differently and start to integrate these skills so we have more of an holistic teacher that can not only build rapport, motivate and communicate, but can also give the hard skills as well. I don't. I think. I think we just. I think the human race has a problem in just either saying it's black or white. Well, there is. There is a problem with binaries, and I think that the postmodernist approach is is a, is sweeping these binaries aside and saying how can we incorporate all of this. But the the fact is, you're a soft skill oriented kind of teacher, yes. and you believe that it's helping the students. Yes. Yeah. I mean I, that. That belief is also being reinforced by research that I've found. For example, there's this, there's this thing on emotional leadership, which is big, big at the moment, um, which says that we're able to lead people better if we can engage with them on an emotional level. Because people are not just a body that carries a brain around. We're a thinking, feeling, holistic... Well, that's right. There's also neurolo neurological research that that shows that a lot of the cognitive and emotional responses of the brain are happening in the same part yes. yeah. of the cortex. Yeah, so, the, so the, the, this, this emotional leadership says your ability to get on the wavelength of somebody is in proportion for your ability to lead them. So, and, and the problem is when we think about leaders, we tend to think about great business leaders, religious leaders, but we need to think in, in terms of everyday leadership and teachers are leaders. So to lead you must be effective at leadership. But there's two things here. One is using soft skills in the class to get and to create effect. But what you were talking about in this in this is you were actually teaching. developing your students' soft skills yourself. You were actually okay. you actually brought that into the classroom as a thing so to do. We've got a tricky okay. tricky thing here where uh, as a teacher trainer I realize that I actually do teach soft skills. As a teacher trainer I talk about things like uh, body language and uh, action zones and stance and gestures and your well, proximity to students and, and all of that and that's a that's a soft skill thing mm. but in that case I'm working as a teacher trainer and mm. I'm, I'm talking to teachers and so I'm a bit of a hypocrite here when I say I don't really believe in them I obviously do because I teach them and not only that I I saw in, in this scenario how effective they were and yet I still don't feel comfortable teaching them. I, I think you're with the majority in there. I think the problem is we're trying, to, we're trying to find these things on a conscious level and they don't exist on a conscious level. They're, they're outside of normal awareness. They're on a subconscious level, if you want to call it that. So you're trying... I think what happens is we try and find 
these unconscious things with the conscious mind. The conscious mind cannot even find the conscious mind. It's like a dog chasing its tail. You know, it's it's something that's... You can't think about what you're thinking because thinking about what you're thinking exactly. is you're thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. But, I, I, but I, I still disagree. I mean, I think that taking the soft skills into the classroom is is valuable. If, if you don't, think about working with teams and how important it is to not only understand where they're at but help them to get through the, pro- the, the problems that they're experiencing. If you don't, what you become is that really boring teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off who doesn't give a damn about what the students uh, feel. But see, I, I, uh, I'm quite successful as a teacher of teens, and I don't bring any of that. You I, probably do. But, I mean, you, prob- you might not consciously do it, but you are aware of the difficulty. I mean, you, wouldn't, you would never call a student up to the front of the class to make a presentation in front of his peers because you understand how difficult it is for a peer at that age to do that kind of thing and the fear of... but you also understand that these students need to develop their public speaking skills and no 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 they don't need public speaking skills they need to get engaged and be active and involved in my lesson and and at the end of it get some english out of it they're talking to their peers that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and the process of talking and getting them speaking clearly, and even if they're only talking to a group of three, is still a step in that direction. I just you don't see it that way. No, I don't. I, I see it as a, just a classroom atmosphere. I think the the things that I'm using are atmosphere. Let's get everybody up and uh, this in this activity, so that nobody's shy or put on the spot or is left alone. Uh, the activity is designed that you must ask eight different people and it cannot be anyone who is in your group right now. So no one's left alone. And so, sure, I'm, I'm factoring in the, the psychology of my students and how they feel. I'm factoring that in, into the classroom. But I'm not saying to the students, so to be good language learners, you must be willing to go and speak to other people outside of your immediate group. I'm doing it. I'm not saying it. I'm... I don't see it as a... I'm not teaching a soft skill. Uh, I'm using classroom atmosphere and group dynamics to... To serve your purpose. To, yeah, to facilitate more English. I think in the context you've taken it, so it, 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 what you're saying is that you're a teacher and your job is to teach hard skills, not to teach soft skills. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's right. Maybe that's what you are supposed to do. Or, or you know... One thing for sure, though, is I think we can look at it from the context of a teacher with good soft skills, are they more effective at yeah, you know, executing on the hard skills, regardless of whether you're choosing to teach soft skills to your students? Maybe that should be another part of the curriculum, you know, that we've got a soft skills training, because corp- the corporate world spend a lot of money yeah. on soft skills training. Because a soft, you know, okay, look at it this way. You can, you can teach your students soft skills, and they can take them soft skills into any area of their life. They so can let's, take it let's just define world. what soft skills are. Confidence. So soft skills. I mean, you can look at it from many points of view. Soft skills. You can you can talk about their ability to communicate with other people. Is this emotional intelligence? It, it's emotional intelligence. So so the ability to build rapport is a soft skill. Rapport means the ability to create relationships that are founded on trust quickly. Okay. Which is definitely a good life skill to have. Well, it's a great teaching skill to a have. A great too. teaching skill to have as well. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, all of these things that you're talking about then are crucial teacher 
characteristics. I mean, the thing is that when, as a teacher trainer, when I get a trainee in, I can teach them how to write on the board and elicit, but I can't teach them to be nice. I can't teach them to love their students. And obviously those are the things that you're talking about here. Building rapport, understanding with people are at, right? Yeah. I think for a teacher, it's an important and worthwhile thing to develop soft skills. So, so an example for me recently was um, I read somewhere that there was this research that went on. There was this. Uh, it was an experiment where you've just stolen my line. So I read a thing that <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so you're teaching me. <laughs> I use it all the time. Sorry. So, so what was it? In fact, I think Steve might have brought this into my awareness. Where there was some students that no, some teachers that were told that students in their class were gifted and talented. Ah, yes. And actually, they weren't one. right. So what happened was the relationship between the student and the teacher changed because you know they, they were told these were the yeah, students and. The, the knock-on effect was that the students' performance increased. Mm. Right? Yeah. Is that is that the basically? Yeah, that was the, the gist of it. So, so when I when I found out about this, what I decided to do, and this is a soft skill, I decided to go into my classrooms and look at all the students and start to look at them and think they're all full of potential. They're all gifted and they're all talented. That was a decision that I made, a belief that I started to lay down in myself, so I could, in turn tap into that research and improve my students you know ability whether it's just speaking english but just basically to learn in general you know to to okay. unlock their potential this, um, this brings up uh, a different way of looking at the whole soft skill thing um so we sometimes you can look at a teacher uh, and sometimes you just go you shouldn't be a teacher Maybe you don't like your job, or you don't like your students, or you don't like your subject, or what have you. And you can see that they're, they're going through the motions. And it, it's ridiculously obvious that the students are bored and, and no one's getting anything out of this except for a paycheck. So it's fine. I can look at a teacher and say, either change your attitude or find a different job. But I've never looked at a student and said, uh, you can't be a good language learner. To me, every sure there I, you get some gifted language learners, but... In general, everybody can be a, a language learner. So, in the whole soft skills, hard skills thing, I can't teach everybody to be confident or outgoing or talkative or any of that, but I can teach everybody some language skills. And in that case, I mean, if I'm teaching soft skills and they're not getting it, A, how do I test it? Because it's pretty hard to give somebody a score out of 100 on their confidence level or their gestures or what have you and then be wait I'm a language teacher I shouldn't be like, just in plain my job is to teach you English and at the end I will assess what English you do or don't but in have. actual fact that's not what you're doing what you're doing it, it, um, I want to keep referring to a paper that I've read recently uh, the argument in favour of, of additional humanist teaching, adding yeah. humanist teaching into a classroom if you buy a house and it comes with a free car you're not going to turn the free car down so if, you buy, yeah. if you're having a language lesson where you've got, a, you've got nice meaty grammar and there's lots of new vocabulary and you're developing yourself as a person at the same time through the activities that are happening in the class um, those, that's almost like a an extra thing which is hugely value valuable. Added. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, even though you are saying, all right, I'm an English teacher and I'm teaching the present perfect tense, but 
we're also going to be interacting with each other and learning a lot about each other and becoming more aware of the different cultures in the world and the kinds of food that people eat in North America, whatever. That's like an added bonus to my language learning. Um, yes, but I'm never going to test the students on whether or not uh, they can remember what food is eaten in Sudan. There's lots of things that you can't test. I mean, you can't test soft skills, but you also can't test fluency very easily. And in, in all the tests that I'm aware of... I would argue with that, but anyway... Yeah, but all, all the tests that I'm aware of over here in, in Thailand... They're all multiple choice accuracy-based accuracy tests. And well, that's not saying you can't test it. That's saying it's, it's not, not part tested. Of the that's, yeah. Yeah, those are two completely different mm-hmm. things. All right, the big problem I have with all of this is I know it's effective. I, I, I don't, personally, my belief isn't, I can't articulate why you should teach it. But I've seen it, like, in th- that was a perfect example. There were 150 teachers in that room, which is, you know, it, it's, the, it's a terrible teaching environment, and it's a st- environment that's really prone to just kind of drifting off and, and taking a nap in the corner. And yet, they were into it. They got it. And, and we're talking about adults here. Not, we're talking about professional, working, educated adults. But you've had the same effect with kindergarten kids, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with kindergarten kids, I mean, you don't have to work hard on their soft skills because they're, they're full of energy. They want to communicate, you know, they want to engage. So I think I think it's for adults, it's more of a challenge because they've been schooled through the traditional school system, which actually sort of does focus them on hard skills, you know, ready to go into the workplace. Well, and there's an expectation that they're going to go into a workshop and come out with new knowledge, with hard stuff. So how does how does a soft skills approach inform a lesson and normally for you how do you how does it work I, I for me personally it's my own emotional management you know so how, how I manage myself emotionally and then how I'm communicating that to the students um, I've started to become interested in uh, transform, transformative learning theories because there's levels of this soft skill I mean this goes really deep one of them is this this theory that a belief affects a student's performance um, I've got a friend of mine who I was having a conversation with recently who I was trying to encourage him to go to university and he, he said I'm not going to go I don't want to go and I was like why and he said because a teacher at school told me that was stupid I managed to <laughs> pinpoint it down to this you know so I mean look at the power a teacher has look at that influence so what I did was I, I then when he gave me this statement that the teacher told me that I was stupid I questioned that belief so I was like, well, how does the teacher know that? Is the teacher qualified to, to say that, you know, that you're stupid? And I managed to almost shake and loosen that belief. And by doing that, the guy actually went back to university and he's doing really well at university. So I don't, I think the levels, you know, what's going on, we're not even aware of what's going on. You know, a teacher saying to a student, you're stupid. Oh, yeah. That's one of those teachers who can be teachers. Yeah, and yeah. that's very influential. Yeah, but it just goes to show you that there's something going on that can prevent a student to go on to have a successful academic life by just making that comment. So we have to be we have to be very aware of our own communication style. We have to be very optimistic and positive with the students. We have to develop these resonant relationships with them. And and is part of that getting them to be more um, what's outgoing if we pick one example. Uh, 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 outgoing. Maybe outgoing is a bad one. Uh, let's say uh, uh, Ken deliver 
uh, uh, some sort of spoken presentation more confidently. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, to me, that's quite an easy soft skill. What we did, that was an easy thing to deal with. You can, you know, the, the power dynamics is out there. The research is there. That is an easy thing to teach. It's easy to, to say to people, listen, stand tall, relax, deep breathe, get oxygen into your brain and you will feel different. And in turn, you will communicate differently. But when we're getting into the area of like transformative stuff, that's different. That's that that one, I would say, I would question whether a teacher should be doing that or if they're able to do that, because to work on people's beliefs is a different ball game. Okay, teaching confidence and posture and power dynamics, but dealing with people's beliefs, that one, I'm not sure. You mean beliefs about themselves or beliefs about how the world works or...? Just, the beliefs about the world working in a particular way is something that we have dealt with. I remember when I was working in Singapore, we were given an instruction that we had to do more critical thinking activities because the government had decided that they wanted critical thinking skills as part of the curriculum. So we were told that we needed to do... And it worked, actually. By getting activities that involved them questioning and, and looking at things in new ways and dividing them into opposing camps and getting them to argue with one another, they did start becoming a little, a little bit more critical. And it got them speaking English. I mean, what we were teaching, critical thinking skills or language, uh, it, it became a question. But um, getting, them, getting your students to question or, or question their beliefs about the status quo of the government uh, is actually possible. Mm. Okay, you both <laughs> you both brought up something that uh, actually I think is at the core of my my issue with teaching soft skills. So you used the example of the teacher who said you're stupid, mm -hmm. and your argument is well, what makes him qualified to be able to make that assessment? And you brought up this: oh, we're going to teach them critical thinking skills so that they can critique the new government. I know that's not how you phrased okay, it. Not, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and. My question is, what makes me qualified to teach soft skills? I, I can teach you, not just teach you language, I can teach it contextually, I can give you examples, I can help guide you, I can fix your mistakes, because I worked hard at, at learning I, that I stuff. I think that by virtue of being a teacher, you have taken on a moral position in society of... of um, of that role. I mean, you've taken on oh, that role. I hope not. No, you have. Um, every teacher in every situation is looked up to or looked down on by somebody for taking on that role. Um, if you see a teacher drinking beer on Saturday night in the uh, in the bar, yeah. you're disappointed because that's supposed to be your your moral yardstick for for life, and and that's what teachers don't. You know, you teachers are those things in the movies they that we. we yeah. They don't smoke and they don't drink. All oh, they're terrible teachers. Okay, but this—I mean—it—it it, it is a genuine concern. I feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes if I say to a student, "Let's take a really simple example." Um, there's a trick that I give my students when I'm, I'm teaching them writing if they're preparing for one of those serious standardized tests like a TOEFL, IELTS, or whatever, um, which is pick the boring topic, uh, because. It's just an experience thing where they take the topic they're interested in and they've got these ideas that they really want to express. And I think that's fantastic. In their language learning, it's great. They experiment more and they try out some new vocabulary and it's great for their language learning. 
but it tends to bring down the exam score because they're trying to express this idea and they don't know how to put it into words. And they take the boring topic and they find they don't have much to say, so... But isn't this the reason why bad students who are bad as students become great teachers? Because they know. They know the tricks, they know this, and they, they know what it's like at the bottom end of the school. And to suffer through a bad teacher right, as to, well, I think. To have, uh, if, you, if we go back to um, Harry Potter, Snape is not a good teacher because he was a great student. He was a, a nerdy <laughs> yeah, student. Good point. Um, and if you're a nerdy, hardworking student, you expect everybody to be the same. And so you don't understand that... The, and the, you don't the demand of, anything of your teachers either. That's right, yeah. So, um, and that's also why world-class super, super sportsmen don't become good tro- coaches because coaching and, it and doing it. So teaching the hard skills and, t- and being, uh, being able to transfer it to somebody else is what teaching is about. It's different. But I honestly, I feel like even a little bit of a fraud when I'm just saying, yeah, pick the easy topic, man. Because that's not a language. I'm not teaching them something about language. I'm teaching them... In this case, fine, it it intersects because it is a language test. And... uh, Yeah. But still, I mean, when I say that, what makes me qualified to say that? In this case, experience. But when it gets... Even that, to me, is right on the edge of my... um, My... Not just my duties, but also my skill set. It's getting close to the edge there, and and it worries me. Mm. Something interesting that I've come across, um, I've asked a lot of people the question of what makes a great teacher, and I've asked that in Asia, I've asked it in Europe and England, and it's interesting the, the, the findings that I've had from that. They They do say that it's a teacher that challenges them, but they also say, it, it comes in there, but maybe it's yeah. not top of the list. Yeah. What tends to come in is the teacher that was kind, the teacher that smiled. Empathy. Yeah, empathy. Yeah. So all the soft skills are the things that they they label as a good teacher. And then the teacher, because that's what I'm saying about the polarisation. If the teacher that's full of empathy, kind, confident, but doesn't develop the students, they're still ineffective. Yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to have both. But in actual fact, if you, ask, if you phrase that question differently... Which teacher made a huge impression on your life or which teacher did you like most? Which teacher did you learn a lot from? The, the learn a lot from teacher is usually the teacher they didn't like. Um, the, the teacher that I hated the most at school was the one who taught me a lot of strategies that I used to get through university. I mean, I hated him. I, I would have murdered him easily as a child if I'd had the opportunity. But um, what he taught me and the, the, the time management skills and all that kind of stuff that he taught me as a, as a high school student what got me through my bachelor's degree and I, I'm aware of it it doesn't change my feeling about him but um, <laughs> uh, and some of the teachers that we liked because they were full of empathy and so nice we learned nothing from them um, and so yeah, I mean, maybe there is a binary it's, it's, it's the integration of you know it's, it's, it's the integration of soft and hard skills that perfect. I think yeah I think which that gives the, a, a, a greater outcome that's a good point you know I think that's 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 the key and going back to what you were saying as about the the different type of thinking skills if we were to classify soft skills you know in education one way to really easily classify them if you look at bloom's taxonomy mm-hmm. you know when you look at the lower levels of learning and understanding it's it's the sort of top of the pyramid which is the being creative problem solving analytical 
they're things that we can consider when we plan lessons. We can think about, you know, are we doing that? So you could say that that's soft skills, that a way that teacher can get soft skills into a class. The, the other side of it, which is the stuff which seems a little bit more like on the psychology side, which is dealing with a negative belief, emotion or experience that's blocking a student's ability to learn. That is an area that I would say requires a little bit more thinking and mastery and you know this um this actually brings me to a, a, the big question i wanted to ask you from a more practical perspective rather than uh, i've got my own feelings and thoughts you are a teacher you still teach you're, you're in classes when you're planning your lessons do you ever put them into your lesson plan so in for this activity here it's not just uh, the students will work in groups, but uh, the students will work in groups, and at this point, I'll show them how to and you incorporate the, the soft skill. At, this is the point in my lesson at which I'm going to teach them uh, the skill of uh, body language, making gestures or something. If I'm teaching a presentation class, that is obviously going to be part of my like if content. It's business English yeah, if it's business like English that. or I'm teaching in a corporate where I'm teaching people to deliver presentations, then for sure. When I do it, I do do it in class teaching English when the students are going to give some feedback. If the situation, if I feel the situation is okay for the student to stand up and actually feedback on some something that's produced, yeah. then I will actually model, model and, and incorporate it and give some feedback on that side of it. Another thing I do do and what I do with the teacher training is often teachers ask me when they're planning a lesson how they should actually, should this exercise go before this exercise and, and so on. And one thing I say to them is think about the dynamic of the exercise or the task and how that will affect the atmosphere in the class. So is it a group work, is it an yeah. individual, whatever? Yeah, because okay. some people, okay, for example, you, you take something like a find somebody who, yep. you know, students stand up, they mill around and they, you know, they do the, the, the task. They, the teacher believes that that task was really effective because, the stu you know, it was the task that was really effective, but it actually wasn't the task that was really effective. It was the soft skill side of the task that get created... Get yeah. move around. People get motivated through movement. People get momentum through movement. And through interaction. And through interaction. So there's a social side of it. But not just that. If you sit in your chair... So, you know, this is a problem with a classroom, right? You sit in your chair for an hour... Humans get good at what they do, so you get good at relaxing, right? Okay. So you're just going to relax, and you're going to actually change your state. Your conscious level is going to change, and you're going to become more in a sleep sort of st state, if you like. Whereas when you move, you're changing your biochemistry. So just the nature of a mill drill, I consider them things, is like, oh, okay, I've got this type of task. That is going to create atmosphere. That is going to get the students moving. It's going to engage them on an emotional level. And then afterwards... Maybe I'll then bring them into a task where they're focused on their own. With kids, they're more likely to do that if they've had the chance to, you know, okay, the transition might be a little bit tricky, but you've given them that opportunity. So I think, yeah, I, I do I do consider the soft side of it. Maybe not from the point of view is what soft skills am I teaching the students, but how am I using my awareness of soft skills to create an atmosphere and facilitate the situation where learning. where learning can take place. All right, so it's uh, overtly in things like you're teaching presentation skills to a corporate English class, but more in general English day-to-day. -day. It's more just it's a factor in how you decide what your students will be doing at different points. But okay. I think that for myself, I have a long-term goal for my students. 
which is not just English development. I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm going through a stage where I like to think that I'm developing students' autonomy. Um, and I build that into how I scaffold and I, how I remove scaffolds and, and how I respond to students' questions. Teacher, what does this mean? I don't know. Can you go and find out in your dictionary? Is not me abdicating responsibility. That's a conscious decision I'm making to increase students' autonomy. Why am I doing that? Well, because I believe that students are too reliant on teachers and I think that they should start weaning themselves off so that they can learn English outside of the class confidently. And perhaps that's a soft skill. All the teens, you can do that. Sure. Tro yeah. Troy's laughing at me because I'm saying this. but um... No, I'm laughing because <laughs> you're, you're fine. You're, I'm, you're right, but I'm also laughing at the idea of a good teacher's job is to make themselves redundant. Oh, yeah. You've learnt it now, you don't need me anymore. And it's and, true. Yeah, I know, and that is kind of what I'm aiming for. And it's hard. Some students really fight it. Yeah. I get students say to me, saying to me, just tell me the answer. Um, and they don't want to take responsibility for, them, for their own learning. Uh, and actually, the older the students get, the worse it becomes. As you said earlier, the, the adults have a, a harder time. I, I paid for this class, just give me the answer, damn it. Uh, is their attitude? <laughs> I think I think what you're saying is you're saying that you you don't see teaching as a as a job. You see it as a a purpose. You know that's that's how I don't see teach for me. Teaching is not a job. It's a purpose. It's 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 almost a mission. You know my ability to have an influence on people in a positive way, mm. in order to unlock their potential, so they can go on and unlock the potential of other people. You know I think that's part of you. We can't a teacher cannot move away from the fact is that their their role goes beyond just teaching hard skills you know they're they're there to make think, the world a better place yeah and i think in addition I, I must build on that because when we teach language if they don't use it the following year they lose it um and the language rises and falls their ability to speak but their memory of your class is not limited to just that set of hard skills that they that you know that set of tenses that they learned um being able to having the confidence or the belief that English is easy, or I can do this, it's it's manageable. Or I think that those are things that they're going to carry long, long after you've you've already left the country and gone somewhere else. Sure, um, sure. And also, a, a belief affects performance, right? So you're teaching the hard skill, but the undercurrent is a belief that's working against the person. So no matter how great of a hard skill teacher you are, there's something that's preventing. The learning to take place because belief affects performance. Now, in this uh, podcast, Troy is um, being bullied here because <clears throat> I, I'm a psychologist. <laughs> well, I'm de deliberately being a bit of a, a protagonist because the fact of the matter is, I use it all the time in my classes as a teacher. I'm constantly focusing on uh, group dynamics and uh, atmosphere and rapport and all of that. That's that's a huge part of my teaching. Uh, but part of it is a genuinely held belief where I, I worry that some teachers focus too much on the... I am now the teacher. I get to stand up in front of people. Therefore, I am the authority and what I say goes. And I've heard teachers giving what I would call... call they think More they're giving religious. advice, but yes, they're giving their opinion on, on something and, and saying that it's true because I'm the teacher. Mm. Therefore, I'm... I'm in charge. You have to listen to what I say, and that worries me. Uh, to those teachers, I, I normally. But I think I think that's a teacher who lacks his soft skills themselves. Because if they're getting up and lecturing on, on authority, then they're actually not passing that. They're not passing the authority onto the students for their own development. Um, those are teachers who are in a, 
you know, neo-colonial, top-down, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Uh, it's, it's the authoritarian. I Look, it's me. I'm the boss. I'm in charge. Yeah, but a soft-skill teacher wouldn't do that. Well, there's also sometimes an older teacher might think they've got more life experience and, yeah. and feel the need to, you know, offer that to people. And that might be out of the... The realm of what they're supposed to be teaching. We're not. We're not life coaches, right? Yes. We're teachers, yeah. and we're doing the hard skill. The point is, does the so- can we utilize soft skills to more effectively? I think we can all agree. We utilize is an absolute. As a teacher, you are trying to manage a group and and encourage them to communicate. If we're language teachers, and part of communication is just being relaxed and comfortable. So the utilization part completely on board with we do it all the time and every good teacher does the overtly teaching it part i'm still on the fence i really am okay maybe maybe as a separate you know curriculum type of subject i know i know in the uk there are companies that go into schools and they teach things like test preparation from a soft skill point of view or you know entrepreneurship or creativity then i think these things these subjects do do should be part of the school system i think i think taking a language classroom and removing the soft skill part that where i'm teaching you social interaction confidence with working with people it's an it's a absolutely if, if central part of a communication activity overtly or yeah, just come on, get out of your chair. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Come on. I mean, I, I'm going to say that to students who don't want to participate. Really, I yeah. don't. I say, how many people have you asked? You've only asked three. You need to ask seven. Quick, let's go. We're coming up with the same outcome. Um, That's the covertly using it covertly or overtly. Yeah. I think it's a different thing. If you want to be a good language learner, you really must learn to be more. Outgoing is a very overt <laughs> thing to say, as opposed to. So you need to and ask seven people, and it too. can't be your partner. Yeah. I just, I'm sure we we use it in the same way. Just the do we teach it part? I, I think that's a different question. Mm. For for me, it's for me, it's a, uh, it's almost seems. You know, an integral part of what yeah, you do. Yeah, a natural thing for to to be a good listener, to try and get on the wavelength of students, to be, you know, to show empathy, to be resonant, to be positive. To me, it seems a normal thing to do. And that's why we have Stuart here as our soft skills specialist. Yeah. So it, I think it's great that we've all kind of agreed with ourselves and a little bit with each other as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Thanks for listening, guys. Yep, Go and uh, be a soft skiller. Skiller? Yeah. Skillist? Yeah, be soft. Be soft. <laughs> Let's go be soft. Careful right. Waffle is proudly brought to you by the non-stop wafflers, Tor and Steve. For any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email tofferwaffle at gmail.com or visit www.tofferwaffle.com.